Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. so glad that you're here I'm excited I always there's this something that stirs in my heart you know there's always the the jitters that I have before I get ready to to minister and, and, and it's funny that as long as I've, I've I've been doing it there's still always those uh morning jitters when you get ready to preach the word but it's almost kind of like you know that that uh game day where it's like man i'm ready i I can't wait because man i just believe god's put something on my heart and i just can't wait to preach the word of god and i don't know if you have a desire or have a love for the word of god but i love the word the word of god changes our life the bible says that the word brings light it gives revelation and understanding of who god is i just love the word and so i just I, i love hearing the word i love listening to the word i love preaching the word and so I hope you do as well. But this is one of those messages. Obviously, if you did not grab uh, a communion element as you came in, just at the end of the message, we'll give you an opportunity. The ushers will serve you. Just raise your hand and they can get you a communion element. But we're going to talk about communion this morning. And in the elements of the communion or just the remembrance of what we do or partaking of communion, it is such a powerful uh, message And when you begin to understand what communion is for and what it symbolizes, it really begins to uh, bring clarity to what Jesus came to do and the the identity that we have in him. Now, with that being said, this is one of those messages that you really just can't sugarcoat and you can't flower it up that much. You know, it's just one of those messages that you just pretty much got to preach from the word of God. You know what I'm saying? Uh, We live in a world that we always want to hear things just flowered up, you know, make it simple. In fact, I, this is just a pet peeve of mine, you know, so forgive me if I just go on a tangent here. But, you know, uh, I, our culture has become so uh, sissified <laughs> that we've got to just water down things so much so that they get it because, you know, it's like, dear God, don't make it hard. Make it simple to understand. And obviously, we can preach in a way that the word is simple. But my, my uh, children, they're taking some classes and uh, they're taking this one, and again, just forgive me, this is me going on a, a tangent. <laughs> but they're taking a class, and the class is called adulting. Oh. Adulting class. And it's one of those things that's just kind of, that word has always just kind of rubbed me. Because it's just like, 
you know, I just had to have, I had to do the adulting thing today. We're adulting today. And it's just like, what do you mean? You just decided to grow up today? You mean you decided to be mature and be what you're supposed to be? Be a husband, a wife, a mother, a father. Just do the responsible thing. But we're adulting today as though it's something foreign. It's just like, no, you do what you got to do because you got to do it, right? And so anyways, it's one of those things when it comes to the Word of God, we so oftentimes want it to be flowery. Give me a message that makes me feel good. And sometimes you just got to pray preach the word and the word itself will help bring understanding and revelation as to the heart of God so stick with me purpose to have ears to hear this morning as we share the word of God concerning the communion and the power of communion amen Amen. all right so if I can draw your attention this morning first and foremost to Hebrews chapter 13 Hebrews chapter 13 and we'll begin in verse 20 Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, and it says this. It says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Let's pause there for a moment. Did you see what it says? It says that Jesus brought about through the blood the everlasting covenant. So that word everlasting means that it goes on forever. This covenant that Jesus came to bring to us isn't just an expert, doesn't have an expiration date to it. It is an everlasting covenant. And the covenant is simply this. It's really just a promise from God that God has made to us. And this promise is everlasting. Let's continue in verse 21. It says, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So it begins to tell us that Jesus, what he came to do was to establish a blood covenant and this blood covenant was made for us and it is to be everlasting now what does it mean or what is one of the definitions of covenant it means to cut until blood flows and so wherever there is a covenant there must be blood Blood is what reinforces the covenant or the promise that is made. In fact, covenant is the longest agreement ever known to man. The very first promise, the very first agreement that man has ever known was a covenant made between God and man. And so, if you're familiar with your Bible, you'll know that your Bible is made up of two portions, right? You know that your Bible is made up of the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? And so for for some of us, we just think, well, that's the front of the book and that's the back of the book. Or maybe the the back part of the book talks about Jesus. And and so that's why it's called the New Covenant or, or the New Testament, rather. But when we speak of the Old Covenant or excuse me, the Old Testament or New Testament, what it is referring to is the covenants that have been made. Primarily in the Old Testament, it refers to the covenant that God made with Abraham. And once again, the promise that he made with Abraham, there was a cutting where blood flowed. And then the Bible says that now Jesus came to bring us a new covenant. And so therefore, the New Testament is all about the new covenant that Jesus brought about. 
And the old covenant was a covenant that would not last forever. In fact, they had to make sacrifice every year. Now, the covering or the sacrifice of blood was to cover the sins of people. But it didn't last forever. It had an expiration date. And then at the end of the year, they had to do it again. And they had to make a sacrifice. And they had to shed blood. But Jesus came once and for all. And the Bible says that he brought about a new covenant. And therefore, once he brought or established that covenant, it was forever. Amen. And the Bible tells us that the new covenant has everything that the old covenant or the promises that were made. Yet it has even more. It is a new covenant with better promises. Praise God. You know, there are a lot of people within church today, in Christian churches for that matter, that live their life out of the old covenant. Again, their thinking is drawn back. It becomes legalistic. And so therefore, it's always trying to make up for the wrongs of what have been taken place. But there is a new covenant, an everlasting covenant that was established by, by blood and it was for, or through Jesus for us. And it's a better covenant. Everybody say with me, better covenant. Better covenant. Amen. This is a better covenant that Jesus or promise that God made for us through Jesus. Now, if you recall, again, when you think about just this idea of making or establishing covenants if you remember the gospel stories you'll recall that Jesus gathered his disciples together just before he was going to be betrayed before he was mocked and beaten and before they took him to the cross to crucify him many of us know it as the last supper anybody know what I'm talking about the last supper well really the last supper was an opportunity for Jesus to have communion with his disciples. As he begins to have communion, he says this. He says, I'm going to break some bread. And this bread is representative of my body that is going to be broken. He says, take it and eat it. And then he gives them the cup of the wine. And he says, this is the new covenant of my blood. Take and drink. So when Jesus established or had the last supper with them or partook of communion with them he says I am giving you an example of the covenant that I'm getting ready to make with you and it is the blood that causes it to be the new covenant he goes on to say he says do this often he says do this often and do this in remembrance of what I've come to do Amen. He came to establish a covenant. Now, I want to establish this thought in your thinking before we move on. But when it comes to the covenant, the new covenant that Jesus came to give through his blood changes your identity. This is important for us to grab hold of, and I'll come back and talk about it in just a moment. But through the covenant, through the shedding of Jesus' blood, he gave you a brand new identity. And it's from this identity that we must purpose to live. And it's from this place of our new identity of which we have a relationship with God. Say it with me. Say, I have a new identity. Amen. You have a new identity through the new covenant that Jesus has made. Jesus not only made a covenant, it was made with his blood. 
Now, in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, verse 25, it says, Whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood, through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness, righteousness, because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. There's a couple of things that I want to bring to your attention there. Notice, first and foremost, it says that God set forth as a propitiation by His blood or concerning Jesus' blood. The word propitiation means substitute. So in other words, when it came to the sin or the penalty of sin, there was really nobody that could pay the price for your sin except you. And the penalty of you paying the price for your sin was to die and to go to hell. But Jesus says, I'm going to come establish a new covenant with you and God by my blood and instead of you having to pay the price I'm going to be your substitute Woo! praise God aren't you glad that he became your substitute I mean it would be a horrible thing that knowing that at some point in our life they're going to drag us to a cross and hang, it on, hang us on there because that's the penalty that we deserve because of the sin in our life. But thanks be to God, Jesus became the substitute for us, shed his blood for us so that we didn't have to pay the price of sin. He became that substitute for us. But now notice this, it says he became the substitute by his blood through faith. So you have to have faith in the blood that was shed for your substitution. And I'll show you what that means or what that looks like in just a moment. But then lastly, it says this. It says that he demonstrated his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins of those that were previously committed. You may have asked this question before. I have had this question asked to me a number of times. And they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, I've confessed my sins. I've confessed all the sins that I've known and that I've remembered. But I'm sure that there are sins that I've committed and I don't remember them. What do I do about those? Because I don't want to have sins that are unattended or unforgiven because I can't remember what they are. But did you see what the Bible says? The Bible says that because of the blood, Jesus in his forbearance, or God in his forbearance, the blood covered or washed over sins that had been previously committed. So if you receive the promise of the covenant and the forgiveness of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ, whether you remember all your sins or not, the moment you say, Jesus, come into my heart, your sins were forgiven from present to the past, the very first one that you've ever made. That's the power of the blood. The blood has a reaching power, not just to forgive your sins for one year. It's an everlasting covenant that reaches back into history, makes you clean, makes you righteous before God, and it stretches out through eternity. Praise God. I mean, in a million years when I stand before God, God's going to still be saying, it's the blood that caused you to be here. Amen. And two million years down the road, as we've been in heaven worshiping God, we're going to be saying, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for the blood. Because it was the faith in the blood that made me clean. 
that has caused me to have a relationship with you. Can somebody say amen? amen? So, I said to you that there is a covenant that we have with God, and it's always established by, by blood. I made reference to you that there was an old covenant, and through Jesus there is a new covenant. I said to you that through a covenant, your identity is changed. Well, if you remember, again, according to the Old Covenant, when God established that covenant with Abraham, the one that has been established for us, there's a time when God said to Abraham, he says, Abraham, he says, or he says, Abram, his name was Abram at that time. He says, Abram, he said, I'm going to use you to rebuild my family. He says, through you, all the generations to come will come through you, and you will be the father of of many nations. Now, Abram says something very interesting. He asked God a question after God told him what was going to take place. He says, God, how will I know? Have you ever been in that position? And, and, and sometimes I believe there's condemnation that comes. How dare you ask God those kinds of questions? But this is the man that God is getting ready to establish the covenant for his family forever. And Abram says, God, how will I know? So my point in bringing that to your attention is that when God speaks to your heart and just because you don't have all the understanding or know the X, Y, and Z, you might say to God from time to time, say, God, how will I know? And God says, well, I'll show you how. Abram asked God, how will I know that what you said will come to pass? God says to him, I'll show you through this example. I'm going to make a covenant with you. And he established that covenant or that promise with Abram. And there was shedding of blood. And therefore, in the shedding of blood, God's telling Abram that I am here to support you, to defend you. Everything that I have belongs to you. If you go to the battle, I'll fight your battles for you. If you have need of deliverance, I'll deliver you. If you have need of healing, I'll heal you. If you need of provision, I'll provide for you because I will be your God. And the way that you know this is because I've made a covenant with you. Now, if that wasn't enough, I said to you that when there's a covenant made, God changes your identity. Now, in that time, they referred to God as Jehovah. I said he, they, he, they referred to him as Jehovah with an H sound on the end. Well, in that time, because of their reverence for God, they would not speak the name of God. Many times how they would refer or reference God is simply by, by making the H sound. And so God, in changing the identity of Abram, he says, I'm now going to make your name Abraham. So in other words, I'm not only going to call you by your name, I'm adding my name to your name. So now, the promise that I'm making with you is sealed with my name in your name. So every time you say your name, you're going to say, I'm the father of many nations because God's changed my identity. Amen. Now, he couldn't leave out Sarai. That's 
the wife. Do you recall what he changed her name to? Her name was Sarai. But once again, God added his name to her name, the H sound, and she became Sarah. And so now, when she looks to her husband and she says, are you sure God said it? And he can turn to her and he says, listen, he changed your identity. Your name is Sarah. And God's put his stamp and his seal on you as well. So God's promise will stand. Not only that, he sealed it with blood. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, the, the power of the covenant of God's promise to us is so enduring if we'll get a hold of just how powerful the covenant that God made, is, made with us, we will begin to experience new things with him as we approach him with confidence. As I said to you, you might ask the same questions. You might ask God the same questions. God, how will I know? How will I know? All you got to do is remind yourself of the covenant that Jesus made with you. Just as Abram asked God, how will I know? He says, here, I'll show you how. If you ask God that same question, here's what he's going to point to. If you've got any question of whether or not I love you, if you've got any question of whether or not I'll back you up or stand up for you, remember, I sent Jesus to die for you. And he shed his blood for you. And he was the propitiation, or he took your place. He substituted you for himself. It's my promise to you. Can somebody say amen? amen? Look at what it says here in Psalms chapter 89. Psalms chapter 89 and verse 33 and 34. It says, Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the words that have gone out of my lips. This is God speaking to us. Notice what he says. He says, I will not take away from him. I will not allow my faithfulness to fail. He says, my covenant, I will not break, nor alter the words that have gone from my lips. I said to you that the covenant that Jesus made with us is not only a better covenant, it has better promises, and therefore God says, I will not change it. Nor will I retract my uh, faithfulness to it. If I said it, it's settled. It will come to pass. Amen. Now you might say, well, listen, I've had some difficulties at different times. How come God didn't answer? I'll answer that in just a moment. But on God's side, God says, I'll never fail you. And I'll never retract my words. My promises will endure. And Jesus is the proof that my promise is everlasting. Amen. Now, notice what it says here. Well, give me just a moment and I'll get there. The moment that you make Jesus the Lord of your life, God honors his covenant. I said the moment that you ask Jesus to come into your heart, God begins to honor his covenant. And here's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to bring, our, bring to our attention all of our faults and our failures. Has anybody besides me ever had to struggle with that? You know, the Bible says that the devil's the accuser of the brethren. You know, sometimes I don't know that I even need the devil's help. I'm good at just kind of beating myself up, at, you know. But the devil's real good at, at accusing you and bringing all your faults and your failures. But here's the thing. God honors his covenant. 
So he'll keep working with you until you get it right. I said, he'll keep working with you until you get it right. We oftentimes think, well, dear God, I messed up. I've blown it with God. That must mean that it's just a done deal. I might as well just quit right now. No, God, don't look at you that way. And God's not causing you to live a legalistic God to jump, or a life to have to jump through all the hoops to have a relationship with God. No, God says, I've made a covenant with you. It's everlasting. And I'm here to help you. And therefore, if you've made mistakes, just stand up, brush yourself off, and I'm going to keep working with you until you get it right. Man, I'm so thankful that he does. Because I'm the one on the poster of the one that makes the mistakes and needs the help for God to stand by. Amen. I said he'll help us until we get it right. The purpose to continue to, to trust God in the affairs of life. Even when I make a mistake, he's going to see you and me through the blood. I said when you make a mistake, he does not see you and the mistake that you made. The blood has been applied through the substitution. And so therefore God does not see the mistake. He sees the blood that covers the mistake. Come on, what does that mean? That means that I can't get it wrong with God. He's going to keep working with me until I get it right. And then the Bible says, well, if I mess up, all i got to do is confess my sins. God forgive me. And he says, come on, let's keep running, boy. Amen. Woo, I'm so glad that he does. Praise the Lord. All right, so in Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, it says this, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having, eten having uh, uh, obtained eternal redemption. Let me read that again. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Once again, I want to present a couple things to you. And that is, first and foremost, the Bible says that Jesus entered the holy place. The holy place is where the presence of God is. And when he entered into the holy place, he brought in eternal redemption. Redemption means this, that the price has been paid. I said the price has been paid. Wouldn't you like it if somebody showed up at your house and says, listen, I'm going to pay off your mortgage. You still got 27 years to go, but I'm going to pay off the 27. It's paid in full. How much... How much uh, of a, of a happy day would you have? Would you do, do a dance? Would you run around the yard? Would you, what would you act like? If the debt was paid. The Bible says that when Jesus entered into heaven, into the presence of God, he came in canceling the receipt of your sin and mine. And not only that, it says that it was eternal. Say it with me. It's eternal. eternal. It means that it lasts forever. The moment that you receive Christ, now this isn't a, a message of sloppy grace saying, well, just do whatever you want to do. I'm simply saying that the moment you receive Jesus, there is an eternal purchase price for your sin. And when you mess up, he says, let me stamp your receipt again because my blood has made it eternal. Just come and receive. Come into the presence of God. Amen. But once again, when you think about that, we've got to have faith. Or our faith in that is based upon the blood that has been shed by Jesus. Now, when Jesus came into the holy place, what did he do? 
Jesus came and brought the blood that was shed. And it tells us that Jesus placed his blood on the mercy seat in front of the throne. So as God sits on the throne, God is always in constant view of the blood. So therefore, the mercy seat is crying out, mercy, mercy, mercy. And the evidence of that mercy is the blood of Jesus on the mercy seat. And so once again, when the enemy ever makes accusations against you day and night, the Bible says, God turns and looks at the blood on the mercy seat and he says, he's forgiven. Praise the Lord. Amen. I mean, it's like going to the court and you've been uh, uh, on trial and you're, you're going down to prison for the rest of your life. It's a life prison sentence and there is no way of escape. You're guilty. They found you guilty. But then Jesus comes into the courtroom and he says, I will pay the price. I will be the substitute. Give me the penalty. He is going to be free. And for the evidence of his freedom, let me present to you in the, the exhibit of my blood. Here it is. He's free. And because of the blood, the judge has to say, he's forgiven. He's free. Amen? He's continually living in the view of the blood. Now, with that being said, you may have heard this statement before, I plead the blood of Jesus. The word plead is a legal term, just as I was kind of making reference to. But have you ever just felt the gnawing of the enemy bringing accusations against you? Or just your self-loathing? Man, I just messed up. I don't even know why I try. Why well, go to church? Because you know what? It just seems like every time I go to church, I just feel guilty. I just feel worthless. It's in those moments that you need to plead the blood. I plead the blood right now. What do you do when you're saying, I am activating the redeeming work of the blood regardless of how I feel? And my feelings are not based on what Jesus came to do. My feelings are just an emotion. And part of that might be a result of the lie that the enemy has fed me. But I choose by faith to believe in the blood. And therefore, there is no condemnation that's going to keep me out of church. There's no condemnation that's going to keep me to live my best life now. There's no condemnation that's going to cause me not to have a relationship with my wife or my husband or my children. Because I plead the blood. I'm free. And therefore, the guilt and the shame of the past has been covered amen and I can begin to walk in a new light as a result of the blood of Jesus in Colossians chapter 1 starting in verse 12 Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 it says giving thanks to the father who qualifies us let me read that again giving thanks to the father who qualifies us who qualifies us who does the qualifying? The Father. You don't have to qualify yourself. <laughs> oh man, there's a time just to shout right there. I don't have to qualify me. Oh man. You know, I just looking in the mirror last night and just thinking, dear God, you just gained some weight. You need to lose weight, you fat pig. What's, what's the matter with you? Just keep feeding that food in your face and just feel like, you know, what I'm saying is that condemnation. You might have your own thing. But what? I plead the blood of Jesus. And therefore, I don't have to qualify myself based upon the pounds that I put on. Praise God, the Father qualifies me. Woo! 
Praise God. You might say, well, I messed up yesterday. I did this. I said that. No, Jesus paid the price. The Father has qualified you through the blood of Jesus. Therefore, you don't have to walk around with the guilt and the shame. He's qualified you to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. What is that? That's the promises of the covenant. Verse 13. And he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son of his love. In whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sin. That word redemption means cancellation of penalty and the removal of guilt. Let me say that again. It's the cancellation of the penalty and the removal of the guilt. How many of you said, oh, I received Jesus. I received the forgiveness of sin and the penalty of sin. Thank God I don't go, have to go to hell. But man, I've been carrying that burden around. I've been carrying the weight of that. I've been caught, caught, that thing's been on, on my back like a monkey for the last 35 years. No, the Bible says that once you're free, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. You don't have to carry the penalty nor the guilt of the sin and the shame. The blood has made you clean. Man, I said to you that the covenant will change your identity. One of the greatest examples that I've seen in my lifetime, it's our pastors, Pastor Mark and Trenton Hankins. Their grandson had leukemia. They went through battles for the leukemia, thought they had it beat. I think it was a process of about three years but when they thought that they had it beat, shortly thereafter they found that it came back and it was extremely aggressive again. The doctor said the only thing that we can do is to do a stem cell replacement. We, if we can find the right stem cell match, we can cure the cancer. Well, the older brother had the exact same match of blood. And so... The older brother said, I'll give or I'll, don my, I'll, I'll donate my stem cells. And so they started to prep and get ready for the procedure. And just before the little boy, I think he was only like four years old, the doctor came in and says, Dylan, we're getting ready to say goodbye to you. And everybody's like, what? It's like, what in the world did you say that to a little boy for? And she said, well, what I mean by that is that when we give you the stem cells or the replacements, your blood is no longer going to be your blood. Your blood and your DNA is going to be completely changed and you're going to have a brand new identity. Your stem cells, your DNA is going to be an exact match of your brother. In fact, it's going to be so exact that if you committed a crime... Your older brother could be held accountable because it's the same DNA. Woo! I wouldn't want to make the younger brother mad. I'd be like, watch it, boy. I'll get you in trouble. <laughs> what am I saying? There was an identity transfer, a brand new identity when there was a blood transfusion that was made. When Jesus shed his blood, 
Your identity of the old man died and you took on a brand new identity in Christ. And therefore, when the enemy comes and says, yes, but you remember what you did. That's when you say, I plead the blood and here's my identity in Christ. Amen. Take it up with him. And just like that little boy that received the stem cells, there were two boys individually but shared the same identity. Does that make sense? Jesus is your elder brother, the Bible says. Two individuals, but you share the same identity as Jesus because he shed his blood. He made a covenant with you. Amen? Say it with me. I'm saying goodbye to my old man and hello to the new man. Amen. So the Bible says this. It says that Jesus was our propitiation. He was our substitute. The Bible says that he was our eternal redemption. That means he paid the price for our purchase through the blood. Now I'm going to quickly just say this. I didn't speak much of the body or the bread that we're going to partake of. But the Bible says this concerning the body of Jesus. That Jesus, his body was broken. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says that by his stripes, we are healed. Amen? So, your promise, your covenant right, is to partake of divine health and healing in your body. Now, do we know or have we experienced the end times where we have not received the promise of healing? Or we know individuals that did not receive the promise of healing. And we ask the question, why? Is it a result of them not receiving healing? No, it is their promise and it is their inherited right. The reason why so many times we do not receive healing, provision, protection, deliverance. Is because we do not understand or esteem the power of the blood why is that because if i understood the power of the blood i would understand that my identity has been changed see oftentimes when we pray god i thank you that you died on the cross your body was broken so mine don't have to be god i thank you that you're going to heal my body in jesus name amen and then a week passes by well, I'm not seeing the change in my body. A week and a half goes by. How come I'm not getting healed? Two weeks go by. Maybe God don't want me healed. Three weeks go by. Maybe I did something wrong. Four weeks go by. Maybe God's punishing me for my sin. Are you seeing that all those statements is a reflection of not understanding the power of the blood of the covenant that changed your identity? And therefore, because you don't understand the power of the blood of the covenant, you revert back to and begin to disclaim the power of the blood and you start to say, I guess it's not working. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The covenant that we have with God is sealed with blood. If my faith in the blood, or if I have faith in the blood, it compels God 
to move. When I put a demand on the blood, God responds from the mercy seat and says, it's granted. The Bible says that there is now no condemnation to those that love the Lord. This is the last thing that I'll share. But isn't it interesting that this is how the enemy beats up his people? They'll find themselves struggling in their walk with God, as all of us have done. We let it manipulate and influence whether we go to church, whether we read our Bibles, whether we pray. And because of the pull of God, and because we're unaware of that God's endeavoring to pull us and draw us to us, the devil begins to say, yeah, you know why you're feeling that way? It's because everybody's criticizing you. And God's mad at you. And as a result, we reject the power of the blood. And we withdraw from God. And we think, well, I'll get it right. One day I'll get it put together. One day I'll start serving God, but right now I'm just struggling and I'm just letting God down. I keep letting God down. No, the blood has given you access. And you might feel condemnation or feel the weight and the heaviness because you feel like you're not where you should be with God. If you feel heaviness... Feel condemned and guilty. I'm telling you that is the work of the enemy to keep you away from God. And wants to put a microscope on your imperfections. But if you'll allow yourself to see, no, wait a minute. That is not God. In fact, what I'm feeling is the pressure of God's love pulling me toward him. I've just let the enemy deceive and manipulate my thinking. What do you do when that happens? Lord, I know I've not done everything right. I know I'm not going to be perfect from here on out. But I thank you for the blood. And I thank you that in your sight, because I've asked Jesus into my heart, you've redeemed me and purchased me. And my identity is in you. Amen. And that will give you freedom in the midst of God working with you. To get you where you need to be. Because he's not given up on you. He's not left you. He's going to stick with you until you get it. And God's not beating you up along the way. He's helping. He's giving you assistance. He's saying let's do the journey together. Because I love you. And I've got the best life for you. Amen. Can we stand? If you recall, the scripture says, do this in remembrance. If you don't have your elements, would you just raise your hands? Just raise them real high and the ushers will come and serve you. Got one up here in the front. Anybody else? Anybody else need an element? Go ahead and peel off the top layer first. I tell you that just because if not, it will be hard to do otherwise. And then two... The juice afterwards.
The scripture encourages us. He says, do this as often as you eat in remembrance of me. Why does he say do it often? It's not because of tradition and religion. It's because God wants you to remember how much he loves you. That the blood provided the covenant for you to partake of the promise of God. Don't let it out of your understanding. Don't let it get away from your thinking. Don't let it get out of your sight. Do it as often as you need to to remember the power of the blood. Amen? Now, normally, we do things a little bit differently. We oftentimes eat the bread first, and then we partake of the blood because he sacrificed his body first. But here's what we're going to do today. For anyone that has need in your physical body, if it's emotional, psychological, if it's physical within your physical body, this is your time to receive healing. If you're here this morning and you say, in my physical body, I've struggled with things. There's things that I struggle with and I want to get that cleaned up in my life. I want to change this or that. That's why his body was broken. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to partake of the, the blood first or the cup first that established the promise and once we remind ourselves of what the blood did, then we're going to partake of the bread and receive the promise of what the blood provided. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the Bible says the cup represents the blood of Jesus. Do this as often as you will to put yourself in remembrance. So therefore, let's partake together and receive the blood of the new covenant in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus that was shed for our punishment and to purchase the price of our sin. I thank you, Father, that you were our substitute, Jesus. You substituted yourself for us and took the punishment and paid the price. And therefore, you sealed the promise with your blood. And therefore, everything that comes with the promise is assured because of the blood in Jesus' name. And we all say, Amen. He also said, this is my body that was broken. He said, take it and eat. Put yourself in remembrance. If you have need of healing in your body, restoration in your mind, strength to do the right thing, let's partake and receive what the blood has provided in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father, that the blood has provided the assurance. We have faith in the blood. And we thank you right now that our identity is in the blood. And therefore, sickness and disease, you have no place. You are trespassing in this body. For I have an inheritance in Christ. I'm a twin with Him. I am in Him. And therefore sickness and disease cannot be in me. 
So we take our place right now and we command it to leave. All sickness and disease, infection, allergies, ailments, infirmities. We command them to go now in the name of Jesus. Mind you be made right. Think and see and hear clearly. Oh, in the name of Jesus, be free. Depression, you have to go. Strife and division, you bow. Addictions, you have no control and no power. And Father, I thank you that you're sticking with us until we get it right. And Father, we'll not be condemned by the enemy. We're going to pursue you and move forward from this day forward. Knowing that I'm not being judged by you. My sin has already been judged and I've been judged and made free in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of this this morning? I trust that it was a blessing to you or you saw some things that you didn't see before. Amen. Well, we'll dismiss you. Go and be free. Receive. Give us some praise reports of what you see God doing in your life. Remember, we have church prayer. And also, go get some stuff at the cafe. Good stuff. Amen. God bless you. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.